The aftermath of the DeAndre Ayton trade is just setting in for the Phoenix Suns on today's episode of Locked On Suns. How does the rotation and roster look after this deal? And was the motivation truly this addition by subtraction idea that has really just taken over across NBA media? Is that real? Is that why they did this? We'll talk about it all. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Thursday. A little bit off schedule, just giving you pods as the news comes. Aaron Edwards is here as he is every single Thursday slash Friday. This one's going to be our Thursday episode this week. If you like what you're hearing, if you just found the show after this trade or you just have not hit that button before, hit follow, hit subscribe. We're free and available everywhere. Be coming every day or get locked onto the Suns Monday through Friday and beyond from here through the rest of the season. More drama, more craziness. The Suns keep it coming. So if you want somebody to help you make sense and enjoy all of that, I will be here for you. We have a lot to get to. I did an instant reaction yesterday which has a lot of like my thoughts on why they did this trade and what it means and all that stuff very instant but very deep dive we're going to try to talk today about maybe some of the bigger picture things going on and then look forward as far as what this means for the team Aaron so let's start with this uh Jake Fisher had it a few different people have said it in not so many words Zach Lowe wrote about it a little bit this idea that even though the Suns got maybe, what would you say it's three quarters for the dollar in this trade? 80 cents, 90 cents? What do you think? Yeah, three quarters, I want to okay. say. <laughs> so if that's the case, and I think we're all somewhere in that ballpark, that it wasn't selling as high as you possibly can in terms of value with DeAndre Ayton, then is there any legitimacy or or, or value in the idea of they will get better, have a smoother ride, have a more peaceful season just by finally moving on from a guy that they clearly have not wanted for years now. Uh, yes. I mean, it, uh, it, uh, no, I'm shocked that I'm doing this, but I think it's more what he does with the Blazers kind of thing. Like, I we were going to end up doing the, maybe this is the year thing again. And I think just taking that out of the equation was probably the best part because this was going to be a version of Aiden where he had to have like a real, like he was going to be part of like a system and he was going to be the fourth option. And I think that was going to be more, more so the difficult part, like us being like, can Aiden do this? Like, can he finally realize that, he's not going to be treated like all number one picks and he's a cog in the machine and he's playing with three stars. And that was the huge question going in. And I think just taking that out of the equation because it going bad was always going to be bad. And just bringing in pretty much three people that know exactly what their role is. And mm -hmm. there's no question about it. There's no 
maybe I'm going to be an all-star this year kind of thing. Like, they know who they are. They've been in the league, and we're going to get to that later. One of the people that we got, he knows who he is. I just don't like it that much. And I think, like, but having people that know who they are as NBA players and they know where they're going to fit in this system is going to help more than it hurts, I think. I think it's, I think that's a good way of putting it. I think that you can make that argument for sure. And I think off the court, behind the scenes, it's both harder for me to say if it's true, but I also buy that it could be true more than on the court. So I'll just kind of set that aside and and say like, yes, I think not being in that building, it might even be less, it might've even been less tenable than we all thought. We all thought it was pretty untenable to, to keep this guy around. Um, We'll get to a different detail inside of that in a second, but just to make the other point is I actually think it's the complete opposite when it comes to on the court. You know, I think Aiton is one of the few bigs in the NBA that actually has the versatility to execute a bunch of different stuff. And so you're not only taking a hit at that center spot in general, but you're also like limiting your 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 flexibility in terms of what your roster can even do. So I don't fully buy that, but I, I think the point is the off-court stuff, so I'll leave it be. I think to get to that, though, do you buy the idea that I think a lot of Suns fans online and, again, some reporters have kind of beaten around the bush on that this potentially was driven by the players. Do you think that there was just a sense? Because it seems like Frank Vogel was on board to try it out, right? Do you think that there was a sense that it just wasn't going to be good vibes if they put him in an environment with these players again? And, you know, it's Booker and KD, right? They're really the only guys who have even played with him. So do you think that's what this was at the end of the day? I think having dudes in the front office who have played basketball was what this was. (laughs) I think that James Jones has been in enough locker rooms. Like, it's not like he doesn't have a say in any of this. I think once, what, All-Star break is going to come up, we were going to do this all over again. And I think James Jones probably just finally nipped it. It was just like, we're not going to have Aiton deal with this question again (laughs) once, like, this team is – once it's time to go on a run and now we're dealing with another trade thing during All-Star break – I think getting that out of the way now is just like, it's the smart thing to do. Like Tyler hero is going to be the new Aiden. He's going to have to deal with this till next summer. Probably. I think having that way in your locker room, regardless of how good you are and like the expectations, I think that trade thing just weighs on a lot of people. And I think getting it over with always needed to happen. I think he was going to, whether he was going to come in and he was just going to be aggressive and he was going to change, like he said, I think that was always going to come up again and just getting it out of the way just makes sense. Yeah. We even saw it last year with Jalen Brown, a different, yeah. <laughs> different scale. Cause obviously he was already a, a good player and it was about, could you trade him for a great player with, with KD and he, it, it rubbed him the wrong way. And I think, you know, he might still end up not being on that team as long as he could have been otherwise, maybe yeah. because of that. So um, I, th- I think it, it obviously affects things. I think as far as 
I, I want to wait and save the question of if, if they got better or not till the next segment. But I think okay. <laughs> um, as far as it goes with the timing of everything, like I talked about it from a CBA standpoint yesterday, and I tend to agree that they were going to have to shop him again. And I think that's the nature of being inconsistent is that even if they got halfway through the season and it's February 1st and let's say Aiton's like, you know, Zach Lowe writes an all-star picks column and Aiton's in there, like best case scenario, you know, it's, it's yeah. that time of year and, and everything has gone great. It's like how many Suns fans, how many people in that building would have believed it would continue through June, you know? And, and so that wasn't going to be enough to change everybody's mind. And, and when you realize the CBA implications of this one last season to make a trade of the variety that they made it, which is combining him with Kamara, taking in more money than they sent out, all these things they're not going to be able to do next off season. It's like, I think that there's a good case to be made with all that considered that you just have to rip the bandaid off despite not getting great value. Um, so let's just pivot and, and, and go on the court a little bit more in the next segment. We'll answer the question of if they got better or if they got worse, and we'll dive a little deeper even than I did yesterday on how these guys fit and why they got better or worse, I guess, based on what our answers are. First, today's show brought to you by DoorDash. If you need fresh groceries for the week but don't have time to get out to the store, I don't have any grocery stores near me, if I'm being honest. It is a drive. Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your favorite restaurant goodies for years, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers, too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best one in your neighborhood and boost that local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered, or they'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself which really you basically did. Want even more value? You can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders when you get a door uh, a Dash Pass membership from DoorDash with easy sub- substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support. DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want them. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use the code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply, that's 50% off up to $20. No minimum subtotal, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. That's LOCKEDONNBA, promo code LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. All right, Aaron, let's uh, let's keep it rolling. So I'll just give you the floor. Did the Suns get better or worse with this trade if you're talking about winning a title in 2024? I think we have all the pieces to win. It's I think if anything, we have more question marks on there's so many dudes that we have to say, well, if they're healthy, if they hit and they play up to like their potential, like I mean, we're saying the same thing about eight and two. So I guess it's just multiple people that we have to do that for. Yeah. But in um in a system like Vogels, he wants lanky, rangy dudes, and now he has three like we've been saying for months, he has the three parts that's harder to get three elite scores. <laughs> That's the part that most teams are looking for the entire time because buckets are going to get tighter to get in playoffs. You just need vocal guys. And I think that Nurk is probably the more question marky one as a vocal guy. You know what Vogel's going to try to do with them, but I think just finding rangy dudes to annoy on defense and just helping Bill out. That's what most of this team is going to be helping Bill out. And I think we're kind of just state the same. That's my long version of saying we kind of stay the same. Yeah, 
it's it's interesting and it's hard not to compare it to like the other versions of the trade that we heard about whether that's like the really bad one from Dallas or the one that I think we were talking about for like a week before this one actually happened, which was like Caleb Martin's name and TJ McConnell's yeah. name. And obviously the dream pipe dream probably of, of OG and an OB. Yeah. Like that, that probably wasn't going to let us do that. <laughs> Nobody was going to let us do that. Yeah. If you thought Adam Silver got upset that the heat might get uh, Damian Lillard, just watch if, if OG was the fifth starter on this team, that'd have been a nightmare. Um, I would have said yes to did they get better, by the way, if, if they got OG Ananobi, in case anyone was was, <laughs> oh. was wondering my thoughts that's on a, that. That's um, a big reach. That's I a know. big reach out there. Hot take. <laughs> but so the Dallas offer was crap, and they should not have taken that. But if we're just comparing it to the Caleb Martin, TJ McConnell thing, like the point I made about that one was I wasn't positive, actually, that TJ McConnell was like a playoff player. Caleb Martin, I think two years running now, regular seasons and then obviously the big postseason that he had like I would have felt pretty good that he was gonna potentially I mean he probably would have started and then I I would have felt good about him being in the postseason rotation if you look at this one and I do want to get into Nurkic but you have Grayson Allen who I think is more likely to to affect games in the playoffs than TJ McConnell I mean I made jokes yesterday but the Grayson Allen thing is good it's 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 good. <laughs> Do you think he'll start? Would you start him, or would you still start the guys we were talking about prior to this trade? Let's start the guys we talked prior, but like years, like two years ago, we were like, we don't have enough ball handlers, we don't have enough people that can get a bucket, and now that's all this team is made of. So, yeah. so I think, like I said, like defensively, that's the harder part. Like yeah. it's going to be the vocal system is just going to have to win out. But we have dudes that can handle the ball uh we have legit like like subs now like we can sit book for periods i think which is going to be nice like we can sit kd for a couple periods like i think just the way he's going to be able to stagger this is going to help this team in the long run because we can score and yeah like we can do whatever pace anyone wants to do so that's the like that part i think is really is going to be special it's just whether vogel's defensive stuff is really going to hold down Absolutely. And and I think it, it would be dumb to like overlook as much as we can, I think, sometimes start talking about like how the other stuff can make up for the weaknesses. It's like, I want to just say that I agree with you. Yusuf Nurkic has to at least be a serviceable rotation player in order for this team to reach its ceiling. Unless you're talking about some sort of a, another trade down the line or buyouts but that that's uncertainty whatever the as the team looks right now he has to at least be 20 to 25 minutes of solid basketball especially on the defensive end for this 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 bet to pay off for them (laughs) but just to talk about the ways that they can make up for it because it is a clear weakness now I think what I like, and to finish what I was saying a minute ago, the one uncertain piece of this trade becomes Nasir Little, whereas Caleb Martin was the, the sure thing, and McConnell would have been the, the uncertain. Yeah, now it's flipped. Grayson Allen, I feel good about Nasir yeah. Little less so. But what you do by getting so many different wings and, and forwards and big guards over the course of all these moves now is that you create more flexibility to play the front court 
in more creative ways. And so like, I think I was, I think it was Dan Devine's piece at Yahoo that was getting my wheels turning on like, they were low key planning for this or the possibility of this, a trade that wasn't a, a perfect one-to-one at the center position, kind of all off season, or at least they were ready for it if they had to do it. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like somebody like Chemezi Metu, like I didn't think he was going to play at all. But now yeah. if it's like, okay, what if he's in a lineup where, and he was pretty good offensively for the Kings last year. And then in the playoffs, they just wanted a little more size because their starting center can't play defense. So they had to play Alex Len and Sabonis, whatever. But like, okay, so if he's on the court now as an option in the, in the backup spot, well, what about him in a lineup where it's like him, KD, Nasir Little, Josh Kogi, and Bradley Beal or something like that? Like yeah. that can work. Yeah. So I think if you see if if a lot of these guys hit, they actually do have the pieces to play a, a different type of way than we spent the whole summer thinking about. But to your point, it is a lot of uncertainty. And I think what you were saying about how it the number of guys presents its own kind of problem is like there is something to just be said of like this is our nine, this is our eight. And now I don't know if the Suns can fully say that. So it just creates another level of like Vogel needing to be willing to mix and match and try guys and use the regular season more aggressively and all this different stuff. But if you can get to April and feel good about a bunch of different types of lineups and and personnel combinations, then I do think that they're more versatile overall. It's just it requires a lot of those guys to hit. And it's just hard to say that they will right now. Yeah, I think the bigger pro- like the problem to me is the five people that I'm certain about on this team are all scorers. Like, yes, Book can play D and KD's good on D, but the five guys are ball handling scorers. Like, those are the guys that I trust, and I know they can get a bucket and all that. The defensive stuff is just going to be the tougher part. And I think once we find out how they're going to do it, uh, what Nurk can and can't do, and how he's going to, well, we already know how they're going to try to exploit him, but what Vogel's going to do to keep some of those things from happening. I think that's the harder part because defensively it's going to be like rough at first, I think. What do you think are like the 10 guys who will play on opening night? (laughs) Like I, especially (laughs) just looking at the fact that Allen overlaps a lot with Gordon and Obviously, little. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Go ahead. No, what um, the Allen and Gordon part, like they're almost like the same. <laughs> so that was kind of why I didn't know why we got Allen mm-hmm. in the first place. So yeah, that's probably the more confusing part for me. And they could flip him. You know, I, I think some of it yeah. is like if you have a, a good player who you trust to be on the court who also has a tradable contract, then it's like kind of why not? But again, it does create some challenges. And then obviously, little overlaps with Bates Diop and Okogi quite a bit he's also undersized i think yeah. because he's athletic people think nasir little's like six nine he's really not he's like six yeah. six um so i don't know i'll give you mine i mean obviously we know who the five are gonna be i think well yeah. let's say four durant beal yeah, i was gonna say yeah, uh, durant beal booker <laughs> nurkic those guys are gonna play i think eric gordon will still be i think grayson allen will still be in the rotation those two so that gets us to six I still just believe in Kdebate Siop. I'm not going to like reevaluate my whole analysis of this team just because of one trade. So that gets us to seven. Um, 
I just think the question from there is what role are guys like Gordon and Allen playing, especially because two of the best players on this team also overlap with them and Booker and Beal, and how are you building out? I th- oh, so Eubanks would be the other one. That gets us to, to eight um, or nine. It's just kind of the rest of that is how are you combining players and, and how are you maximizing what's out there but do you agree with those nine and then I guess who would who would you put as the 10th now that we know Grayson Allen is suddenly like a pretty major part of this um yeah I agree with that nine and um are you including Eubanks in the nine because I I really like them so yeah I am I mean I think you especially now with Nurkic it's like you have to have a backup center in there yeah and at the same time, I think we're going to go small a lot more than we think. Like, Vogel hasn't had a dude like KD before, so I think he's going to be a little, like, all over the place with lineups trying to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. But I think when you have this many scores, you're going to have to try to go small every once in a while, but not, like, in small, like, in, like, small samples. But I think he's going to do it a little bit more than even he considered doing it. But, yeah, I have that nine in um, – you really think he's going to go that high? I don't think, like, I want to say Vogel, but I don't think Vogel would do that. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell. I, I think it will be a competition, obviously. I would say, whereas before, I probably, uh, not probably, I mean, I've been previewing the season, I think I said Yuta Watanabe would be kind of that last piece. Oh, yeah, piece. you didn't say that one, yeah. Yeah, but I think now I probably lean toward one of the wings between Okogi and Little, probably getting that spot more often than not because to your point and and to com- you know, in combination with what I was saying a minute ago about you want to play those wings to get to those smaller lineups whereas you know Watanabe like he makes a little more sense next to a center you know a real traditional center because his yeah. strengths are more just team defense and kind of half court offense and things like that so I would probably lean a Kogi or, or Little get that last spot, but you know, right there, you're you're leaving off one of those two guys, Watanabe, Bowl, Goodwin. Like this is yeah. a weirdly deep team, but obviously with a lot of question marks. Yeah. So we'll have to see. But the last yeah, thing I think here, we weirdly have too much shooting now, <laughs> which I never thought I'd say, but we have a lot of shooting and we kind of don't need that much of it right now. So yeah, I can see us going. Well, Little, he was really good at uh, not. He's not. He's average at knockdown shooting. So if you leave him open, he will hit them. It's more of like the Okogi thing. Well, when Okogi was making the shots, mm-hmm. his open ones. But I think that having two dudes like that and Okogi right now is a better defender on ball. So I could still like. It seems like Okogi is going to win out and still end up getting minutes. Yeah, I think. Uh... Yeah, it'll, it'll just be interesting. Uh, shooting's a good thing to have if you're going to be missing your stars at any point. During the regular season, having great shooting is an easy way to just keep winning games, even if you're at a disadvantage talent-wise or you have a bunch of absences in the rotation. Like It's just kind of a cheat code. But what I was going to ask to close it out is, we also know the Suns have to cut players. It was reported by Jake Fisher that... It's expected to be Keon Johnson, who they just got in this trade, as well as Ish Wainwright. I have seen a lot of Suns fans advocating for them to just cut Damian Lee instead. What would you do there? Um, I don't think they're going to... I really think it's those three guys and maybe Jordan Goodwin would be the only options. Yeah. Who do you think they should cut? They have, yeah, to, they just, have to get rid of two. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be um, Ish and Keon. I I didn't even expect D, uh, Damian Lee to survive the summer, honestly, <laughs> once we got all these guards. But you can't have too many, even though we do have too many. So I wouldn't mind if it being uh, Ish and Damian Lee, but I think it's going to be Keon Johnson. So. Yeah, it feels like it was kind of a tax of the trade of <laughs> – the Blazers, it's not like $3 million is a ton, but that is first-round pick money. There's options beyond this. They probably were just like, we don't want to have to spend that, so you take yeah. them off our books, plus you know, yeah. roster spots is, and all that stuff. That's mostly how I know like we kind of are getting the roster back together because Damian Lee is back to being a 14th man. <laughs> yeah, right, and, instead of like the 7th. Yeah. I mean, there so were... They, there were games in December there where he was like the number three option scoring wise on this team. <laughs> yeah. So I think now that he's uh, a 13th, 14th man on a potential championship team, like he was already <laughs> with the Warriors, I think that is kind of a good sign that we're sort of getting there. And he is close with Kevin Durant, which we all, you know, celebrated a year ago when the Suns were. <laughs> Trying to get Durant, we thought that there was, you know, some some eyeball emoji action going on there, and maybe we were all right. But he, you know, having that relationship probably does go a long way, and being able to shoot and play, and be fine not playing and all that stuff. So I would think yeah. he sticks around uh, as well. I think they'll, unfortunately, you know, sucks for for Ish to be heading toward thirty and still not have like a, a solid landing spot. I, I did hope he could just get that money this year and and lock into the roster. Maybe he lands somewhere else, but. He was non-guaranteed for a reason. All right, let's, on the Durant note, talk about this Lillard trade and a little bit of the Suns kind of being so active and just, I don't know, it's 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 Lillard trade week, so we might venture away from Phoenix a bit, but what did this whole thing teach us after one more quick break? All right, we are wrapping up the show. Aaron and I did a... Uh, a guide to how this was all going to go, and we were wrong because he did not go to the Damian Lillard did not go to the Miami Heat. Things did not follow suit with how they did for Durant, and part of me does wonder if this is an inflection point in the league a little bit. I sort of feel bad for Portland if they felt some sort of like thirty thousand foot pressure to not give in and all that because I think that's nonsense and you should just take the best trade. And I'm not sure DeAndre Ayton as a centerpiece is the best trade personally, but uh, <laughs> they did it anyway. And, and, and again, Lillard did not go where he wanted in a weird way, Aaron, as a result of that, I actually feel, I feel more nervous in retrospect about how close the Suns were to not getting Durant than I did. Am I overthinking that? Because I really, like, I was sitting there and I'm like, I I treated it as if it was always going to happen, but if there is this much animosity toward these stars, the past couple of trade cycles, I wonder if Josiah wasn't closer to just saying, F it, I'm sending him wherever. And the Suns really did save themselves by getting Ishbia in place and ponying up with the biggest offer that they could. I thought they could just afford to be patient, but maybe I was wrong because the Heat certainly couldn't afford to be patient. They just got screwed for it. 
Yeah, I think the Dame one was more hostile, though. Like, he was like, he's not going to play wherever he goes, like, all that stuff. Like, KD, he dropped it and played, like, he, and he balled out. It wasn't like he was sulking on the floor. When KD did his thing and it, he, like, didn't think it was going to happen, he went back to work and he started had one of the greatest starts <laughs> in history to start the year. So I think he made it easier on Josiah because he balled and he just happened to get hurt. And we always had the best offer we just had to do that one part that we didn't want to do that we finally did but the Suns that's why like I would I never knew like thought we weren't going to be the ones because we just had to do the one thing we didn't want to do it was always that piece and Miami wasn't exactly like a Tyler Hero away I don't think the Heat wanted him or the the Blazers wanted him that much I think it was more of an asset thing what did Miami have and ours wasn't an asset thing I know that entire summer, people were like, you guys don't have the picks, yada, yada, yada. You can't get KD with that. But we did have the pieces. We had young pieces. We had shooters. We had the potential defensive player of the year. We still had some first. Like, we always had the pieces. It just We just had to add one of the young dudes, and we just didn't want to at first. Yeah, I, I think that is a big difference, right? The Suns did actually have a competitive package. But... If you rewound to last summer, I think it's not quite as aggressive because, to your point, it never got as ugly. But there were a lot of NBA fans and analysts treating the Suns package for Durant similarly to how they're now treating the Lillard pack, the the Heat package for Lillard. Like there were people acting like the Suns had nothing. To your point, like you just said, so. That like the three I, I days just, later, Bill Simmons was like, "The Suns gave up too much," and I'm like, yeah, "No, a summer ago we didn't have enough. Like now, all of a sudden we gave up too much." Well, and what's like, I think it's always going to change with the wind and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, like everybody's changed. Like Mikel's an all star now, and now we're stupid. Like it was always going to go that way, depending on how people felt. Well, and what's funny is. I do think another inflection point with the eight and stuff was that at the same time as the Suns were actually pursuing sign and trades separate from the Durant sweepstakes or whatever you want to call it to get eight and somewhere else, Brooklyn was also running this extensive PR campaign to tell everybody that would listen how much they hated DeAndre Ayton. But now again, to compare the two situations, the fact that the Suns somehow got involved with the Lillard thing, Aiton became desirable enough for Portland that he, suddenly he actually is the centerpiece of a trade. So it, <laughs> if Brooklyn just liked him more, I wonder how different a lot of this plays out, you know? Because I do think, yeah. I mean, Mikhail is obviously better. There's no doubt about that. But I think that there's some teams, even for a player like Kevin Durant, who would have accepted a package that did not include Mikhail. Um, just if they liked center value more, if they needed it like Portland kind of needs it, like there is an alternate world where it does just end there and the Suns don't even have to to go that far. I guess that's part of why I kind of in hindsight, I'm like the fact that it got to the point where the Suns even had to give up bridges makes me think, could Brooklyn have taken it one step further if they had, you know, really wanted to, to lay the hammer down. But I think your point about, Durant not making it as ugly gave Joe Sy the out kind of like Anthony Davis, although he did make it pretty ugly, but it's like 
The yeah. Pelicans sent him to where he wanted to go, but also they got a hell of a package in return. If you can satisfy both, I guess that that's kind of the sweet spot. Whereas in this case, Portland just straight up didn't like the players. Um, but I mean, what yeah. do you think? Do you think that the this offer that Portland got back was like the best they could do? Or do you think the Miami one would have been equivalent or better or worse? What, where do you fall on that? I think they... I think, I think it kind of would have been in the middle, like depending on how you feel about Tyler Hero, but you have two young guards. Like there was no point in getting a young guard back that was, yeah, a six man of the year, but maybe he wants to get more minutes with the Blazers and doesn't want to sit behind uh, two dudes way like younger than him. Like I think that would have been a problem like just in itself. And they just didn't need the guards. <laughs> yeah. And they knew they didn't need the guards. And they needed a big and Aiton was kind of the only one left for them to go for. Yeah, I, I think if they... I, I always assumed it wouldn't have been actually Hero. It would have been whatever they could get for Hero as part of the package. But it, yeah. it would either way, if they wanted a player who fit on their team, because I think they're probably looking at this a little different than Brooklyn, where the Blazers' own pick is going to be really good this year. So they might not need a bunch of middling mediocre firsts back like they would have gotten for hero or even Miami's firsts, which have never been good because they don't ever get bad enough to have good draft picks. I guess if you're looking at those and a great, awesome first round pick wasn't necessarily on the table, which I guess you could say the one from Milwaukee actually is maybe they did both here. Then you do start to limit your options. If you're looking for a player who can help now, it seems like they wanted Ananobi. That didn't happen. You keep going down the line. It's like, who can they realistically get? All right. Aiton's good enough. We think he can do more here. He might, you know, have a tradable contract down the line or, or something like that. Why not? It's, it's hard. And I think it ended up being closer to the Beal situation than the Durant situation. And it was all said and done, to be honest with you, just because of his contract and his age and the position he plays and not being a great defender and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. it's interesting. It's weird that the Suns got involved in both. Like I never would have guessed that <laughs> we would have to kind of be like front row to both of these things back to back summers. But that speaks to, uh, I think the era we're in on the, in Phoenix right now. Yeah. And I think it's kind of weird that Aiden is the vet on Portland. <laughs> Which I'm just going to leave that to itself. I just wanted to mention it. I'm not saying what I mean either way. I'm just saying Aiton's the vet on the Portland. Yeah, any uh, any places. final words on Aiton? I mean, we've uh, we've joked and talked about him for going on two years doing this together once a week. you have any parting thoughts for the man? Um, I hope he I hope he he's right this time. I hope he takes it serious and I I hope he helps uh, scoot out. Yeah, I I do hope the best. I I don't know how that's all going to go. But I do, uh, I do want. I mean, I already got his bag. At the end of the day, like life-wise, yeah. he's he's said this isn't like a dude's career is on the brink by any means. But I I do want everybody to like succeed. I mean, it's not the end. It's sports. I'm not gonna like root for him to fail. But uh, yeah. it'll it'll be. Interesting. But we did hire Luca's coach and not draft Luca. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I tweeted yesterday when Gambo did a little mini thread. Uh, just going five years in the time machine that I really hope this week is the last one we ever spend talking about the 2018 draft. Cause 
Uh, trust <laughs> me when I say, even as a person who took the biggest of all possible W's on that one, that I am done talking about it. I, I no longer care. So uh, we'll go ahead and, and leave it there. I'll have one more episode for you guys coming on Friday to preview Media Day because that's still happening and, and do a little bit of you know headline predictions and what are we going to be hearing and talking about and probably have some thoughts on this trade sprinkled in there of course as well so hit follow hit subscribe get that show and a recap of media day and all that good stuff throughout the week we'll be here every day from now through the rest of the season enjoy all of the craziness and i'll talk to you then